Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. In the Word, if you have your Bible with you, if you want to go ahead and turn to Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and I want to tell you the immense pressure that I feel here today uh, preaching to you uh, during a, s- a season of time that has been labeled sizzling summer. Um, that, y- you know, if you've got to preach during sizzling summer, you know, I guess the expectation is that you're going to bring it, right? Um, so, <laughs> so, anyway, hang on with me here. I want to I talk with you today about a very familiar narrative in the Word. And how many of you have heard of the miracle feeding of the 5,000 in Scripture? Just raise your hand all over this place. You've heard about the miracle feeding, the two loaves, uh, the few loaves and fishes there that, uh, that Jesus had that he blessed and broke and fed the multitude. It says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. So it's not just the feeding of the 5,000. It, it, that figure is probably closer to 20, 25,000 there on that day. And uh, we, we spend a lot of time focusing, and I'm going to be honest with you, some of the most sensational messages that I have ever heard, some of the most faith-building words that I have ever received have come from this narrative. Uh, but today I want to invite you into a little different perspective of this narrative because we spend a lot of our time as we're talking about this miracle uh, situation here that we're about to encounter, we obviously and all glory due to our Lord Jesus Christ for his miracle working power, but we spend a lot of time focusing on Jesus praying and blessing and breaking the bread and the fish and multiplying it to uh, the, the multitude who was there and feeding them, and that is so good and so right. And then beyond that, we focus on the activities of the disciples. And we look at the, you know, what the disciples did on that day. And then we look at the little lad and, you know, we focus on how little is much when God is in it. So if we'll just take our little bit and we'll bring it to the hand of an omnipotent God that he's able to take the little bit of stuff that we have and do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Here's the thing, and it's good, and our faith needs to be built. And when the opportunities arise for us to stand in the place of the disciples and be the hands and feet of multiplying a miracle into someone else's life, we need to be ready to stand in that place and be active in our faith. When we stand in the place of the little boy and we're there being asked to surrender to the hand of the Almighty the things that we have with the expectation that he's going to take it and multiply it, we need to be ready to fill that space as well. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but more often than not, The position that I find myself in is not the position of the disciples. It's certainly not the position of Jesus. And it is sometimes less times the position of the little boy. But I find myself in this life often in the position of the multitude or the people who are there needing a miracle. The sad reality is, I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of messages. I listen to a lot of sermons. I've heard enough sermons in my lifetime to save the state. But 
I don't know if I've ever heard a message delivered where we look at this situation from the perspective and the activities of the multitude. They seem, as, as we're reading, as we're looking into this text, it seems that we treat them just as like benign bystanders who their, their activities in this have no real weight. But I think it would do us good because I think there's a lesson that you and I can learn from the actions of the multitude here in this miracle blessing. And I think that you and I, by observing the multitude here, can actually learn how to better position ourselves to receive miracles from the hand of the Lord. So if you want to jump in there with me, I'd like for a few minutes to focus on the multitude in Mark chapter 6. Quite honestly, I believe that you and I often experience frustration in our lives because we're trying to step out into the action of the disciples or the little boy, but we've not learned the posture of this multitude. And I want to give you three very simple points this morning from this text and if you're there in, in Mark's gospel I want to encourage you to do your homework also because we're going to be sharing today from Mark's gospel but the truth is that this uh, particular narrative is one of few narratives that is recorded in all four of the gospels so all four of the gospels has a rendering of this miracle and we're going to touch on a few different dynamics from some other gospels but we're mainly going to stick here to, um, to Mark chapter 6. So the first thing I want to point out to you here from this text is, first of all, that they knew him, him being Jesus, of course. When I'm in, throughout the course of this message, let me go ahead and qualify for you that when, when I say him, I mean Jesus. So they are here, and the first thing I want to point to you today is that they knew him. Jesus and his disciples have been in a season of ministry. They've been, uh, they've been preaching, they've been teaching, they've been praying for, and Jesus has been performing miracles and all those things. And he calls his disciples aside and says, hey, let's go to a deserted place. Let's go somewhere and find some solitude and get some rest and recharge. And, and maybe, maybe just, you know, spend some time unwinding and unplugging. And in verse 33, it says, but the multitude saw them departing and many knew him. Many knew him. They, they knew him. He was not a stranger to them and they understood who he was. Can I tell you something today, church? If you have one of these in your hand, whether it's in printed text in the, in the bound version like I'm holding here, or maybe it's on a digital format like you're holding in your hand, can I tell you that if you have one of these, then you have proof in your hands that God has taken extraordinary strides to reveal himself to you. Through the study of this word, you can learn the nature of God. You can learn the character of God. You can learn about his personage. You can learn his will towards you. You can understand the things that grieve his heart. You can understand the things that make his heart glad. And you can live a life pursuant. You can understand how to engage with the very presence of God if you'll study this word. 
We learn that sin separates. We learn that righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ brings us near. It's not of works lest any man should boast, but it's the grace of God on our lives. And we learn how to rest in those things and and therefore learn to rest in his presence. But the word says that they knew him, many of them knew him, and here's the thing, there, there may be a suspicion in your mind today that the reason these people were pursuant of Jesus is because they knew that he had performed miracles. As a matter of fact, John says as much in his gospel, he says in uh, chapter 6 verse 2, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. But can I tell you something today? There's a difference between understanding what God can do and being attracted to him as a miracle worker and just following him for the miracle. I want to say that again. Can, Can you understand with me today that there's a difference between following after God with the understanding that at his nature he is an omnipotent all-powerful miracle working God and saying you know what I want to be close to somebody like that and there's a vast difference between that and following after the miracle that he performs there's a distinct difference between following after the miracle worker and the performance of a miracle And there's a lot of people in this generation that run to and fro and here and yonder and what they're looking for is the performance of a miracle. And this group of people, I believe in all sincerity, and I'm going to show you in just a minute, I believe that they were following Jesus. Yes, they knew him. They knew him to be a miracle worker. They knew him to be powerful. As a matter of fact, here's the thing. Jesus gave this very fact that he is a miracle working God as a qualifier to the disciples of John the Baptist. I'm underscoring something here for you because I'm trying to draw a distinction here and I'm trying to encourage you in in something, maybe a different perspective here. But Jesus gave this qualifier to the disciples of John the Baptist as a validation for who he is. You remember that? The disciples of John came to Jesus and said, hey, John's in prison, but he wants to know, are you he or is there someone else that we should be looking for? And Jesus said, you go back and you tell John what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says in chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. What's he reward us with? He rewards us with his omnipotence his his miracle working power his abounding grace his endless mercy he he rewards us with those things so we can have the expectation that as we follow him we're going to receive from him and in psalm 102 the psalmist writes and says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless the lord and forget not his benefits what's his benefits by his stripes i am healed right there's nothing wrong with you and i recognizing that he is a healer 
There's nothing wrong in realizing that he is a provider, that he is a bond breaker, that he's a burden lifter. There's nothing wrong in recognizing those things. As a matter of fact, as I said earlier, we are invited in Scripture to experience him as a miracle worker. He's revealed himself to us as such. We know his name, we know his character, we know his residence, we know his will, his desire. We know the things that grieve his heart and the things that make his heart glad. And knowing him, knowing him, they pursued him. They went after him. They said, oh, there he is. There's the miracle worker. There, there is the God who heals their disease. There's the God who is provided there's the God who has moved moved mountains for people and called the dead back to there he goes let's get after him let's follow him where's he going we don't know let's follow him there's a whole different sermon right there that we just follow him whether we know where he's going or not that's called faith but the second thing I want to show you is that they followed him. And this is one of a handful of miracles, as I said, that's recorded by all four of the Gospels. And what I want to point to you, because we miss it sometimes when we think about that word, that they followed him. Okay? If, if I were to ask for a volunteer and some, call somebody up on the platform this morning and I began to walk and they began to walk behind me, we would say that this person was following me right it just and and our basic understanding of that is that they are simply coming behind they're they're moving where we move in a physical sense but every gospel writer except mark uses a greek word that carries with it the connotation that they followed him with the intention of being his disciples as a matter of fact, the, the same sense of how we say that we follow Jesus. Like, if we, if we get into the original language and the etymology there, we understand that it blows this whole theory out of the water that they were following Jesus for the miracle. They were following Jesus because he was the miracle worker. They wanted to sit at his feet. They wanted to drink from the cup in his hand. They wanted to lean on him and rest and find, find delight in their soul. Because of who he was, because they knew him, and they wanted to be in proximity to him. They, they weren't looking for a miracle, they just wanted to be close to the miracle worker. They weren't looking for a healing necessarily, they just wanted to be near the healer. And this idea is confirmed because the word says this in verse 34. It says that they came after Jesus and, and when he came out, he saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep have, not having a shepherd. And it says, so he began to teach them many things. You understand that's the position and the posture of a disciple is to be a learner of his master. So we see this unfolding here that their, their desire, the desire of the multitude here is to be a learner of this great Savior that they found and they are pursuant of him to learn from him. And here he is as he's seeing them come, he comes out moved with compassion and he doesn't just start doling out miracles all over the place, but he teaches them. 
He teaches them. And I want to tell you something today, church. It would do us well to discipline ourselves, to find time to set at the feet of Jesus, to be instructed through his word, and to be informed by his Holy Spirit, and just be encouraged in heart. Now this is, I want to preface my next statement with this. I believe it's right for us to seek the Lord in times of trouble. Don't misunderstand me. I believe it's right for us to seek the Lord in the time of trouble. I believe it's right to believe God for healing. It's right to believe God for financial breakthrough. It's right to trust God for restoration of broken things. And I'm not trying to shame anybody who ever approaches an altar for any of those things. I believe it's right. I believe there are times that we've got to press through the crowd. We've got to press through with the intention that if we can only just touch the hem of his garment, everything's going to be made better. We've got to press through with that intention. But these times should not be the only times that we're seeking the Lord. These times should not be the only times that we're seeking the Lord. As a matter of fact, the, the people in this narrative, they knew who Jesus was. They had no doubt, John tells us, seen Jesus perform miracles, and they had heard of his mighty acts. And you and I, as these people, should want to be in close proximity to Jesus just because. Just because. Hey, let me ask you this. How many other friends do you have that raise dead people? How, how many other friends that, do you have that can speak to the storm and say, peace be still? No, none. Absolutely not one unless Christ is working through them. So we should want to be close to him, but we should be seeking the miracle worker, not the miracle, to the, the, the baptizer, not to be baptized, the healer, not the healing, the gift instead of and, and, and the giver and not the gift. The main thought that I want to impress upon you today is they were hungry. Before they got hungry. They were hungry before they got hungry. And they came to Jesus with a spiritual hunger. A long time before they ever experienced a physical hunger. They were hungry for the things of God. They were hungry for the presence of God. They were hungry to just be in the presence of Jesus. And they pursued him. And in other words, they weren't suffering through a famine and running to Jesus because of a condition of starvation. That needs to be said. That needs to be underscored. That needs to be understood in this text. It's not them running to Jesus out of, out of a need. This is not the wedding of Cana. This is not the woman with the issue of blood. This is not the man that's paralytic by the pool. This is not the man with the withered hand. This is not somebody who's just running to Jesus for a miracle. Again, nothing wrong with reaching out to Jesus in those times. But these are a people that are just pursuant of Jesus. The fact of the matter is that among the four gospel writers... 
there is neither a request made nor a complaint raised regarding physical hunger from the crowd. As a matter of fact, they were in the presence of Jesus simply trusting that he was enough. Many times, conversely, though, what it takes for us to pursue the presence of the Lord is that we've got to be hurting. We've got to be starving. We've got to be in distress. And when we come, we're so blinded by our need that we're fixated on the miracle we need and not the one who does the miracles. There, I, I'm just being honest with you because I know human nature and, and moreover, I know Steve. And I believe too often are the times, yes, it's right to seek the Lord in the time of need, but I believe so often we've been away for so long that when we do turn our attention to the Lord, we're so blinded by our desperation that we just see the miracle that we need and not the miracle worker. But these people here, they, they had pursued Jesus, not the miracle feeding. And I want to encourage you today to be hungry before you get hungry. You don't have to wait for calamity to strike your life before you seek the Lord. Don't, don't wait for conditions in this life to force you into being hungry. In fact, I'd say there are many times when our approach to the throne of grace has more to do with the desperation birth of a need than it does with our spiritual hunger. And again, there's nothing wrong with coming to, I can't say this enough, I know I've said it, but there's nothing wrong with coming, with coming to Jesus in our time of need. But that should not be the only time that we're pursuing of the presence of the Lord. We shouldn't always be pressing through in desperation. We shouldn't always be crying out from the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. These people follow Jesus and an interesting thing happened and I believe that it can happen for you and I today and that is that you may never find yourself that far away from a restaurant or a grocery store but the principle is applicable. They knew Jesus, they followed Jesus and they received from Jesus. There's an interesting dynamic here Three of the gospel writers say that when the day was far spent, the disciples came to Jesus. And that they came to Jesus saying, Jesus, and this is side note here, they said, Jesus, send the crowd away. You know, as if the strength of human nature and tendency is not that we look for any other kind of resource to meet our need before we come to Jesus. The disciples come and say, Jesus, send this crowd out into the world to find a supply to their need. But John gives us an interesting insight, and this is where I, where I really want to encourage you today with this, that validates that what you and I need the most in our lives is found nowhere else except in the presence of the Lord. Do you ever wonder why the disciples became uptight over the need of the multitude like as we read this in three gospels it says that when the day was far spent the disciples came to Jesus oh Lord what are we going to do these people need feeding 
John gives us a little un, uh, insight and brings some understanding there and says that this is not the only mention of the crowd being hungry. As a matter of fact, John records it this way and says that when Jesus lifted his eyes and saw the multitude coming, that he looked at Philip and said, where shall we buy bread for all these to eat? In other words, there were a people who were coming to Jesus who were hungry before they got hungry. They were spiritually hungry before they became physically hungry. And as such, Jesus lifted his eyes seeing them and said, Hey, these people are coming to me first in the spirit, but I know later they're going to have a physical need. Now, guys, how are we going to meet this need? I think... I think I read somewhere in Matthew's gospel about chapter 6 verse 8 that Jesus says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask. Isn't that powerful today that Jesus seeing this multitude coming towards him in the sincerity of heart to seek him because of who he was said, hey, there's going to come a time they're going to be hungry. What are we going to do to address it? Because he knows what we have need of before we even ask. And we're about to see, I believe we're about to see an illustration of one of the one of the most powerful principles in scripture there's no clamor in the heart of the recipients they're simply sitting at the feet of Jesus learning from him soaking in his presence and here's the principle at play are you ready how many of you know from memory what Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 33 says but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Church, this is what I want to show you today. If we'll just get hungry for Jesus before we get desperate for a physical miracle and we will come and press in and find our way into his presence and just say, Lord, I just want to sit at your feet. Lord, I just want to hear from you. Lord, I want to commune with you and fellowship with you. I'm telling you, if we will prioritize him, he'll take care of us. I mean, ooh. Daniel says sometimes when he's teaching, that's a good place to say amen. But I want to tell you something right there. When you think about it, that if we will prioritize his presence, we won't have to worry about the material and the physical because he's already, that's a good place to shout. That's a good place to lift your voice and praise God. That's a great place to just, just get lost in his presence right there. I want to invite you to stand all over this room. Jesus continues in Matthew 6 and says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to worry about its own stuff. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can I tell you something today? That lying in the Lord's green pastures and walking by His still waters, the still waters of His presence, is an act of our own volition. 
Like, we, we get to choose to do that, and it's by choice that we position ourselves there spiritually. But can I tell you today that when we take the time to lie down in His green pasture, when we take the time to walk beside His still waters, we're going to find that surely goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. Listen, church, the veil has been torn, but we've still got to get up and walk in. Have you ever been, have you ever been seated somewhere? Like you went over to a friend's house and you were just sitting there enjoying their company their fellowship you hadn't even thought about it and unbeknownst to you or maybe you caught a little whiff of it they they got something rocking in the oven you know you know what I mean and you're just sitting there you hadn't even really thought about it you were just enjoying the company enjoying the fellowship and you didn't even know you were hungry until they opened that that oven door and that goodness slapped you in the face and they they take out a big scoop of whatever it is and they put it on a plate and slide it over there in front of you and you say oh well I didn't know I needed this but now that it's here I recognize I, I am a little hungry I am a little hungry you know when when you when you first bite that cheese biscuit you like I didn't know that I needed this I was just enjoying your company, friend. But now that you've supplied, I see that it's good to know you. It's good to fellowship with you. And can I tell you sometimes, if you and I will just purposefully fellowship with Jesus, just sit in His presence and, and wait before the Lord. We will begin to find things being poured out in our lives that we weren't even aware that we needed until they were plated up and slid over to us. And then we'll just say, thank you, Jesus. I, I want to invite you into something here because I think we need to praise the Lord in this place. Y'all can, can go to dead church somewhere else, but not here, okay? I, I want to. I want to just. I want to read something to you this morning, and this is responsive reading. Okay, as you as you hear things that that just strike something in your heart and your spirit, I want you just to praise the Lord. I mean, don't worry about me. I got a microphone. I can outdo you, right? Don't. I, you're not going to get too loud. But I want to. I want to read something to you here this morning as we as we wrap things up. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the, from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will take refuge. His truth will be your shield and buckler. And you will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at the noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you, because you're resting in the presence of the Lord. Only with your 
eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling why because you made it a point to rest in the shadow of the Almighty to be hungry before you got hungry and blessing and favor and goodness will be poured out in your life as a result today I just want to invite you to press in no particular no particular action no particular activity today but just say Jesus I believe you're a miracle working prison shaking prodigal saving God I believe that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above I believe in you Lord and I just want to wait before you this morning if you want to come out to the altar today take your liberty in the Lord if you want to stand with hands raised take your liberty in the Lord today but let's just spend some time right now worshiping the Lord come on church we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.